following is a presentation of Main Street Media, your source for news, sports, and information on Main Street in Middle Tennessee. Welcome into Main Street Preps this week. I'm Russell Venosi here with Tyler Palmentier, and we are excited to talk about high school football once again as the season rolls right along here heading into week nine. We are going to recap the week that was last week. We're going to look ahead to this Friday and what's on tap there, even though it's a pretty light slate with a lot of schools on fall break. And of course, the highlight of the show is always our guest, and it's going to be Franklin Road Academy coach. Justin Geisinger, his team is off to a fantastic start in his first year as the head coach. We're going to catch up with him and talk to him about that. But first, I want to remind everybody that this podcast is sponsored by the Tennessee Highway Safety Office. Fans don't let fans drive drunk. Tyler, are you ready to do this? I am. I feel so uh, official with my headset with the mouthpiece. I know we've had kind of a we've had to switch up our equipment today, but I kind of like it. I feel like Keith Jackson, which uh, to our young listeners out there is a. Uh, kind of a staple from the past in the in the broadcast booth oh uh, nelly just just google it just google it you'll you'll enjoy it yeah i I'm, i need to google it because i i was not around for the keith jackson era oh so. yeah go, just google keith jackson usc or something you'll enjoy it <laughs> all right well let's go ahead and welcome in fra coach justin geisinger uh who like i said is seven and one through eight weeks justin thanks for joining us today yeah guys thanks for having me on appreciate it absolutely and, uh, you know, Justin, with this being your first year, I know FRA, FRA had fallen in some hard times the last few seasons. Did you guys think that a turnaround would happen this quickly in year one? Uh, um, you know, I don't know. I, I don't think, you know, as far as what our mission and our process with our program, we, you know, obviously we want to win. We're competitive. Um, we're going to strive to win every game. Um, you know, but, but wins and losses aren't our focus. I think our focus was really on, um, building a culture around FRA football that we felt like um, something that we could sustain, something that we want to build for long term. And um, I guess the, the short answer to this question is probably no, <laughs> that we expected seven one at this point. Um, you know, probably not. But at the same time, we're just working, uh, you know, day in and day out to be the best version of this team we could possibly be. And, you know, some of the things that we've asked, you know, these kids to do in, in our first year within this program has, has been a big cultural change for them. Um, and they've responded really well, um, you know, especially our senior class. You know, our senior class, we're asking to kind of buy in for one season left as, as far as physically being part of this football team. And that's a big change for not knowing what the results are going to be. You know, so when we, when we ask them to kind of be vulnerable for that, put themselves out there, not knowing what the results are going to be, that was a big ask for them. They really responded well. And, you know, fortunately for us, the results have been there too. So, um, so yeah, it's been positive for sure. Hey, Justin, this is Tyler. I want to kind of piggyback off that a little bit. You And you certainly made a good point that the seniors and other players you ask to buy in really are are vital when a coaching staff takes over. And though you have to really depend on, especially seniors, to, to do that, to quote-unquote buy in. But I'm, yeah. I'm curious, when you took the program over, was it a situation where you said initially, we have a lot of work to do here? Or did you kind of look at it and say, we've got some good pieces? <laughs> Um, I think it's a little bit of both. I think, you know, I, I think clearly um, from from the standpoint of how we wanted our kids to respond as far as 
everything that they're doing, you know, so our, our mission is to live and compete like Christ. And that's, that's just not on the practice field on Friday nights. That's within the course of an entire game week, Monday through Thursday through practice. That's, you know, on the weekends with their relationships with their peers and their families, that's in the classroom. Um, you know, obviously at a high academic school, like we are, they're fortunate and blessed to be in the position they are there. So it's really a total buy-in because we don't feel like they're going to be the best football players they can be if they're not the best young men they can be. And ultimately, that's our vision. We want to be quality Christian young men first and quality football players second. And I don't think those things are separate. I think they go hand in hand. So really, you know, just continuing to build them to be the best Christian men they can be. Um, and then, you know, all the other pieces, the schemes, the X's and O's, what we're asking them to do on the field as far as what we've done since spring through the summer. Um, you know, obviously, there's been an element of change there as well. Um, you know, but ultimately falls back to, to to that mission um, that we live by. And um, it, it's a hard ask because it's hard to be on. It's hard to be on point all the time. I mean, these are teenage boys. They're going to make mistakes. But <clears throat> asking them to hold each other accountable, not just have the coaches be the ones holding them accountable and really, you know, uphold our mission to the, to the highest standard. And, um, you know, why it's, we're still a work in progress. Yes, we're seven and one. We have a long way to go, I can assure you. Um, it, it's always good when, when results validate what you're doing a little bit. Um, and that certainly has been the case uh, thus far. So that's good. Yeah. On that note, Justin, as we all know, high school football can be pretty crazy at times, but a week after you guys get that win over CPA, CPA goes and just um, shellacks Oakland. There's nothing fluky about that, about that win. And uh, it almost shows you that, Hey, you guys didn't just catch CPA on a down year or anything like that. Um I, what do you think that win against CPA did two weeks ago for your team's confidence, knowing that you guys have beaten a really good team? I mean, sure. I mean, I, I, not to downplay that win at all. It was certainly a big, big win for this program, for the school, for the entire community. Um, I think that really signified um, everything that these guys have been pouring in and working towards. I mean, there was multiple times throughout that ball game where they had a chance to kind of fold the tents. You know, we're down 13 nothing right out of the gates, had, stru- you know, had trouble moving the ball early kind of got into our own offensively and we'll really, really probably play their best offensive ball game of the, of the season. Um, and then, you know, defensively there at the end of the game to come up with a huge turnover to seal the victory. It was a total team win. Um, so it, it was really, really exciting to see the result of our kids as they, as they really battled through a lot of adversity in that game. And that's really what it comes down to. You know, football is parallels life in a lot of ways just like a lot of sports do i'm biased i think football is probably the ultimate team sport as far as dealing with adversity um and really that's 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 what we're looking for we want our kids to be able to attack adversity we want our kids to be able to understand that that's part of life as well and it's just how they can respond to those situations and there was multiple times throughout that football game where we were we were stuck with our back against the wall and they didn't fold one time and it was it was really fun to see a group of guys against uh, obviously a team like C- CPA total, you know, complete respect for Engel Martin and what he's done over there. And, um, to, to, to have our kids be able to come on top of that game was, was definitely a, a signature win for us. And, you know, but for us and our mission, it's just another game too. So we're looking, looking to treat every week the same. And that's hard to do when you play teams from like CPA and then you go out of region and play other teams and you're back in region week after week. But that's really what we're trying to do is try to be the best version of FRA every week. Those comeback wins, I think, really do speak to culture a little bit because it's so hard to sometimes keep everybody on the same page in those instances. But just is there any backstory or maybe a good story about the the trick play you ran at the end with, with uh, or near the end with, with Bobby <laughs> Council? I, I reading about it is certainly an interesting little play. 
Yeah. Um, no, not, not no backstory. I mean, our, our, our offensive staff is, is always looking for, for little things and wrinkles to, to add in there, not only to keep it light, keep it fun for the kids, but obviously those things are, are tough to prepare for as a defense. So when it comes to gadgets and little things like that, um, so it was a fun way to get, obviously, Bobby Council's a pretty good guy to have the ball in his hands. Um, so, um, you know, it was just kind of a, a, a sneak opportunity to try to get him the ball in his hands quickly and, and make a play. And that's really all it was. But, um, you know, for that one. But, but you know, we've we, 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 we're kind of known for for that and trying to find little wrinkles on little ways and little gizmos, I guess you could say, to uh, the, the mix impossible for defense to prepare for but you know fortunately our guys have been able to execute those things well and have fun with them at the same time so it's always good how about junior running back ty clark the third he's been awesome all season already over a thousand yards what's been the key to his his breakout year this season um you know clearly i mean you see that you see the film you see him on the field you see his stat line so he's clearly a special player um you know but whenever people ask me about ty clark i like to speak about him as a young man first because he's he's truly special i mean you, you a junior team captain for us um you see him in the hallways he's he has complete res- respect from his all the way from administration to his teachers to the faculty and staff to his peers um you know just the way he carries himself um he's a true leader by example um excellent student in the classroom um you see how he prepares himself not only for football but prepares himself for school and school day and how he cares of himself in the hallways and how he treats his you know his adults all the way to his peer i mean it's 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 a he's pretty special young man and he's definitely a kid we want a lot of our players to emulate and um, you know, I think there's a big reason on why he has as much success on the field. Obviously, he has some God-given ability. That's 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 true. But I don't think he maximizes it to the point he has if he doesn't have those other things going for him as well. Um, and that's some example we talk to our kids all the time. And that's why we truly, truly believe in the way we build a culture within our program. And it starts with building the young man as a, as a Christian young man first because um, everything else kind of falls in line behind that. You know, there's a lot of kids out there, I feel, that, that and a lot of players all the way up to the professional levels that have a lot of ability, but they sometimes fall short, don't maximize that because of some of those other things. So, um, you know, we spend as much time off the field with our small group discussion and our cultural lessons um, as we do within our scheme and our X's and O's because we feel it is that important and we feel that gives us a little bit of an edge maybe over some other programs that don't don't prioritize that as much. So, um, but in a nutshell, yeah, I mean, Ty Clark's, he's a special player, but, um, and even, and even special, you know, more special kid. And, um, you know, he's got a bright future for sure. Yeah. I really enjoyed talking to Ty Clark earlier this year when, uh, watched him against Davidson Academy. Uh, you guys seem Justin, at least from the, the, what I've seen from you guys that you're blessed to have some good players up front. Um, how, you know, you talk about Joe Crocker, but Luke Masterson, also big guy and uh, yeah. to have on the edge. But yeah. how have you enjoyed the process of coaching those linemen and, and specifically at Joe Crocker during his senior season, you know, before he heads off to Mississippi State? Obviously, he's kind of the guy that fits the elite mold. But uh, how's it been coaching yeah. him and also just coaching up these other guys for the first time? Yeah, it's been great. You know, we're not we're not super deep up there up front. Obviously, Joe um, you know, being a leader, a senior leader of that group and a big SEC commit, um, you know, but I, I, even even him as a high level lineman, I've seen grow so much since the spring. Um, and 
he's really playing his best football right now. And we knew just based on his length, his size, his athletic ability, that he had the ability to be a special lineman. But we knew there was so just watching tape on him from last year and seeing him in the weight room this spring, we knew there was so much more upside and so much more for him to give. And he knew that. And he wanted that for himself, and he wanted to be that type of leader. And he's another team captain for us. And so he's really emerged there, and I still think he's still peaking. I still think he has his best football still ahead of him, which is even more exciting. And then you mentioned Luke Masterson, who's a young tech, really a young football player, has not been playing football all that long, was a basketball player that, um, you know, really converted to, to find football as a love for him as well. And, um, you know, he, he's he's a special player out there as he continues to grow and mature and, um, our interior line as well. You know, we're not the biggest, strongest group probably in our region in there, but they're playing inspired football. They're playing at a high level right now. Um, they're playing within our mission and our culture. And, you know, you need that group up front to be those guys that are kind of your engine, as any, any coach will tell you. And, um, you know, our team's kind of leaning on those guys right now. So uh, that's exciting to see. Um, obviously, as, a, as an offensive line guy myself, that's exciting to see for our offensive line coach, Coach Hanson. You know, he's fired up about him as well. So, you know, it, it's, uh, you know, all, all is well there. We're just going to continue to stay healthy and keep pushing forward. And, you know, our, our goal is to be at our highest level come November. So that's that's what we're working towards. So no game for FRA this week, but then they close it out with BGA and good pasture. So there's certainly a path for your team to get that number two seed in the Division II AA middle region, which would mean a home playoff game. Uh, how important is it to you guys to earn that opportunity and to set yourself up uh, in the best way possible for the playoffs? Yeah, I mean, that, that'd that be great. I mean, you know, uh, obviously that's not even something being, you know, still several weeks out that we're even thinking about, you know, and, and it'll sound like a broken record, but that's just, that's how we are with about our culture. That's how passionate we are about our mission. Our mission is to attack every week. Like it's a playoff week or like it's a preseason week. We're going to prepare to be at our highest level every week. It just so happens we're in, a, in an open week this week. So we've got a good practice yesterday. We'll have a, a second good, you know, solid one this afternoon. And then we'll have a, a workout tomorrow before we let them go for a few days at the end of the week to kind of recharge the batteries. And then we're going to get ready for a, for a, a region opponent in BGA who, you know, their record might not show it, but they're a good football team. You know, you, you look at them at tape, and I know they're, I think, a 1-7 team right now, but they're, they, they are not a 1-7 team as far as how they play. So we know they're going to be fired up and ready to play coming off a win. Um, and we know we've got, uh, we've got to prepare for a region, a region game back at home here in uh, less than a couple of weeks. So that's what, that's what we're going to focus on. <clears throat> we're going to get you out of here. Last thing, we're going to get you out of here, Justin. Um, this classification is yeah. kind of controlled at the top right now by Lipscomb Academy, a team you guys have played. Um, CPA and Lipscomb obviously sure. play next week. What What's the roadmap for beating Lipscomb? You know, I mean, they're a talented football team. I mean, it's clear that they have players that um, they've got speed, they've got size, they've got um, really there's not a whole lot of weak spots across their personnel and their roster. So, um you know, I don't know if there's any secret other than, you know, you've got to play really sound football for four quarters in all three phases. Um, you know, there's not a lot of room for error. Um, you know, they've got an explosive offense with some guys that, you know, if, if you, you make one guy miss or they get out in the open, they, they can put six points on the board pretty quickly. So, um, you know, I, I don't know if there's any secret other than, you know, you've just got to be ready to beat a very talented team when it comes to their personnel and, and kind of who they have and the playmakers they have on the field. 
Um, and that's no secret. I don't think anybody that's played him, anybody in our region, um, you know, but again, you know, we've, uh, we've seen them once. We'll, we'll worry, we'll worry about them if we happen to see them again at some point. But, you know, right now for us, our focus is on uh, getting, getting some much needed rest and, and, and wrapping up this week and get back some fundamentals and then get ready for a BGA football team there. Yeah, you guys have earned a nice break here, Justin. Congrats on the great start, and uh, thanks for joining us today. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Appreciate it. Anytime, Justin. That has been Frank- Franklin Road Academy coach Justin Geisinger. Great start for them, and certainly a chance there to uh, be set up well for the playoffs if they can piece together a couple more wins. And so with that, we are going to take a quick break and then come back to talk about our Week 8 takeaways. I'm good. I thought it was good. After every game, we always have a few. It's no big deal. It was no big deal. Hey, I can hold my liquor. I thought I could hold my liquor. Moving right along here on Main Street Preps this week. Now we get to talk about some of the things that we've seen recently and some of the observations that we've got about the high school football scene in the area. Tyler, I know you were at a couple of really great endings last week. Sometimes that just works out. You end up in the right place at the right time. Yeah, I caught uh, Pearl Cone blocking a field goal to to beat Marshall County. And one night later, uh, overtime finish in Nolensville between Nolensville and Page and doesn't get a whole lot better than that in back-to-back nights for somebody who who writes about sports. Uh, so I'll, I'll start with uh, Nolansville. I mean, I, I don't see how after that win over Page, you, you can't consider the Knights a 5A contender. I mean, I don't think anybody needs to crown a favorite maybe at this point, but uh, why shouldn't Nolansville be considered in the mix? I mean, they've got a great offense. I think they've got a great system. Kobe Walton's a quarterback that's capable of getting it to – to re- they're really good skill players, and they've got a few, namely Chance Fitzgerald, who I think is going to separate himself maybe as a receiver here at the end of this season slash recruiting cycle. He just picked up an offer from Virginia Tech today. I, you know, I haven't seen him play much uh, until this last week, but he's a, he's a different player out there, the way he moves around. So Nolansville, uh, I don't see why they shouldn't be considered a contender. I think what CPA did against Oakland was they had you know the Lions have to feel great about that. I mean, we, we've spoken about that obviously. And I think further, maybe what they kind of did was show how much you can control a game just by time of possession. And that that's kind of how I think they had it for 11 more minutes than Oakland. So uh, CPA has to be really good about that, get, especially getting whole again and getting healthy. And then what about the the potential chaos in Region 7-6A right now? Oh, man. The top four teams, Brentwood, Centennial, Independence, and Ravenwood, are all 3-1 and one in league play. Each of them have one region game left, and they all play each other. So uh, about to have a really good finish in that in that league so that's a lot of fun and i know that's always a competitive region so i mean it's gonna it's gonna happen but uh, that'll be fun yeah i'm sure there'll be great crowds at all those games to wrap it up in in williamson county over the next few weeks but hey while while we're on that note i'm gonna 
I don't know if this is a hot take or not, but I'll just I'll put it out there. My pick in Region Seven Six A is Brentwood. Okay. I think they're going to get the crown there. That's a good conversation um, to have there. Yeah, they've won three straight since losing to Ravenwood, and they've been able to win close games all year. Um, so all they need to happen now is they just need to beat Centennial in the last week, which Centennial is much improved. That that will be a tough game, and then they need to have um, Ravenwood lose to Independence. And as long as Chris Parson is still out, that Ravenwood Independence game all of a sudden could be very different, especially if Independence can continue to get healthy. Uh, they've been missing a lot of guys throughout the year, but if they can maybe hit their stride, then all of a sudden, you know, those two games probably could go either way. But with the way Brentwood's been playing, I I think they might be the sneaky pick there in that in that league. Brentwood's probably got the best defense of the group. I don't know necessarily who has the best offense of the group. It's been kind of tough to figure out. And then you've got Ravenwood with Chris Parson out, but uh. How about independence? You know, four and four, kind of a tough schedule, taking yeah. a few lumps uh, in, the, in its first season with a new coach. And yet here it is, chance to maybe sneak away with a region title. It's crazy. Yeah, just just nuts there down in Williamson County. But hey, how about uh, how about Metro too? We I know we've talked about it all year. There's some teams playing really well. I got to see Cane Ridge for the first time in the, in the regular season last week and uh, came away pretty impressed. And you know, they've got a couple of games left against Dixon County and Maplewood that sets them up really nicely to finish nine and one. They've already locked up the top seed in their in their league. So that affords them um, some luxuries in the playoffs. They're matched up still with a with a tough region on the other side. It's that Sumner County, Montgomery County region that's got Clarksville, Hendersonville, Gals, and Beach in there. Uh, but the way that it sets up with uh Cane Ridge being the top seed, they wouldn't have to see Beach in, until at least the quarterfinals. So that's huge to avoid them because I think Beach is definitely the team to beat in, in that league. Um, and so, I don't know, maybe maybe the Ravens can do it. They've certainly had deep playoff runs in the past. They were a runner-up you know, within the last five years in 6A. So, uh, if they can keep playing well, I think that's a team to certainly keep an eye on. And then a player that I got to see on Friday for the first time live, I think I've seen him maybe in a scrimmage or a 7-on-7, seven seven, but that's not the same thing as obviously a 11-on-11 Friday night football game. And Man, Lipscomb linebacker Edwin Spillman. This guy, he's a one-man wrecking crew. Like He's the top prospect in the state according to 24-7 sports for a reason. And man, what he did against Knoxville Catholic, I'm sure it's probably up on his huddle by now. Uh, you should probably go watch it. He, seven tackles, a uh, couple tackles for loss, a sack, an interception. He was in the quarterback's face all night. I mean, just he was just a complete nightmare for Knoxville Catholic. They had no answer for him. That's and, a classic linebacker stat yeah. line right there. You got to love that. Certainly is, and it'd be interesting to see what happens with his recruiting. Obviously, his older brother is already committed to Tennessee, so you'd have to think that you know they've got a good inside track there to the brother, kind of like uh, maybe they did with the Herring brothers last year. But um, especially the Vols keep winning, yeah, huge game this certainly. weekend, and that can start flipping some guys' minds. You know, if if they do something really special. But uh, with the with the way Edwin's playing, I think he's going to have his pick of just about anywhere in the country he wants to go. Mm-hmm. So. All right. Well, I think that does it for our takeaway. So we're going to take another quick break and then come back with our picks for Week Nine. It's just a few cocktails at happy hour. It's just a few cocktails at happy hour. <laughs> you really good try. There aren't any cops around. I didn't think there were any cops around. I drink and drive all the time. Sir. Sir, you've been in a serious crash. I'm going to hang on, okay?
So there are not a ton of football games this Friday with so many school districts on fall break. Everybody's kind of taking a little reprieve here, getting getting away, going to the beach maybe. But there's still some good games on tap. And we talked about the Division II AA Middle Region extensively with uh, Justin Geisinger early, earlier in the show. And there's a big matchup in that league happening uh, that's going to be, be really key when you're talking about playoff positioning, especially those two, three, and four spots. Good pasture at Davidson Academy. Tyler, what's your read on this game? I kind of think Davidson Academy has done some impressive things since the early part of its schedule. Uh, It was a tough early slate, and um, the Bears kind of had to do it without Cortland Simmons, who's a a really big factor, you know, on on that football team. So I don't think those early losses really carries much weight. I kind of like Davidson, 28-21. Yeah, I'm with you there. I'm going Davidson Academy, 35, Good Pasture, 31. Um, Good Pasture, though, is a team enjoying another – Great turnaround. This is their second year under Coach Craig Cotton. Um, they've, they've got some nice wins. So I do think this will be a tight game, but uh, right now, giving Davidson Academy the edge. Next up, we've got Columbia Academy at Nashville Christian. Um, this is a uh, Division II single-A game that is also important for playoff positioning. Uh, Nashville Christian, though, has been incredible these last five weeks. They are, have won all five games. Um, they're on this nice hot streak after starting 0-2. Another team kind of on the rebound here from a, from a tough start. And freshman quarterback Jared Curtis has had a lot to do with that. He's thrown for 11 touchdowns and just two interceptions during that five-game winning streak. And I believe we talked about him last week or the week before. Just really looks the part um, of a quarterback that could be very special, and he's already delivering now as a freshman. So you've got to like what he could be in the future. But uh, in the present, he's, he's good too, and I think that's going to be good enough for a pretty big Nashville Christian win on Friday. I'm going Eagles 42, Columbia Academy 21. Yeah, I agree with you. I think uh, Curtis solidified the starting job, I think, in week three or four, somewhere a couple weeks maybe before the unofficial midway point of the season. And uh, I think that's five wins in a row since he took over as the starter. So uh, regardless of, you know, anytime you solidify a starter, it's good. But it's not just that he solidified the spot. He's done well, like you mentioned. So I like Nashville Christian, too. I've got Nashville Christian 35-21. Next up, how about Pearl Cone at Greenbrier? This is another one that, I mean, I say it every game, but this is another playoff uh, positioning type of game. Uh, You got to see Pearl Cone last week, so you saw them up close and personal. What do you think? Yeah, definitely Pearl Cone's win over Marshall County, just the comeback and then winning on a blocked field goal basically was a great comeback for them. I I think the name that everybody needs to know for Pearl Cone is is, uh, Javion Kennard. He's going to be the next big thing in Metro football, I believe. He's only a sophomore. He's got incredible speed and shiftiness, and uh, he's just uh, a really impressive football player, kind of a little guy. Um, He could make a great slot receiver and then does make a great slot receiver. But uh, I kind of don't know what to think about Greenbrier. They're coming off a loss to Creekwood. Um, This can be a chance for for Pearl Cone to clinch that region, and I – I like the Firebirds to do it. I'm picking them 31-21. Yeah, that was a, a tough game for Greenbrier. Not not the kind of result you want when you're trying to win a region title. So I, I don't think Pearl Cone's going to have a whole lot of trouble here either. I'm going Pearl Cone 28, Greenbrier 7. Lastly, let's head up way north to Sumner County, almost to the Kentucky State line for, a, for another super important game here. This is Region 2-4A, East Robertson at Westmoreland. It's our Main Street Preps game of the week. Um, both teams having great seasons. East Robertson six and one, I believe. Westmoreland's five and two, but they've played a really tough schedule. And uh, you know, as somebody that was formerly the Robertson County reporter, I think it's really neat to see what Ro- uh, East Robertson's doing. Uh, used to cover them, of course, and 
that's just such a great small town sports environment. They really get behind their teams. And uh, of course they've won baseball and boys basketball titles the last two school years. And I know that place would come completely unglued if they made a deep playoff run. All that said though, I think this game is a toss up with Westmoreland having played that tougher schedule and, and handling, handled it pretty well. I'm going to give them the edge here at home 24 to 21. Yeah. It seems like a coin flip game and I generally just sort of go with the home squad, but that doesn't really discount where East Robertson's gone since, uh, since Chase Brooks has taken over. I really like the story that our, our reporter in, uh, your old position, Blaine Keller did about their resurgence. And if you're not reading Blaine's stuff on that beat, you definitely should. But uh, yeah, I like the home team here. I'm going Westmoreland 28-24. Um, it is probably going to be a lot of fun, though. I think you're and you're definitely right about East Roberts in that community. It's fun to go up there and and pull a story. I've only you know I've done that just once, but it's it's a cool little community if you've never been. Like Soda Fountain downtown. Uh, mm-hmm. rolling hills around it and sports crazy as you mentioned uh those are fun places to be at this time of year especially if um you know if you got a football team going a long way so uh we've really reached the fun port of the or fun portion of the season you know where we can start thinking about those things so uh interesting to keep it going i'm excited sure, sure is and just keep up with all that coverage across every county in middle tennessee be sure to head over to MainStreetPreps.com where we've got photo galleries, we've got stories, we've got other sports, girls, soccer, volleyball are kind of hitting the, uh, the apex of their seasons as well. So be sure to keep up with everything there. And until next time, we will see you back here, same time, same place on Main Street Preps this week. <laughs>